Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are preparing for our study in Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. And to prepare for that, we spent quite a bit of time laying the foundation and learning the background of his ministry in the city of Thessalonica. How did he go there? Why did he go there? What, uh, what circumstances directed him there? What reasoning caused him to select that particular city? And we learned all of these things, or at least we learned many of these facts in the book of Acts, and some of the things we drew by way of deduction from what we saw in the book of Acts. And so we're dealing with some of the applications of what we have learned about Paul's ministry to Thessalonica and the pattern of ministry that we find other places throughout the New Testament scriptures. And I have been talking, first of all, about gospel strategies, that is, Paul obviously had a strategy in mind when he would pass by less well-known cities and a major focus on major cities, significant cities. Philippi was a large, influential city in the Roman province of Macedonia. Leaving there, he passed by a number of smaller cities and came to Thessalonica the largest city in Macedonia, a city of commerce, a city of, of uh, visitors flowing in and out of that city, a city with a synagogue, a city with a large population. And he camped down there and had an effective ministry and then left there and went to Berea and then went from Berea to where? Think of all the cities between Macedonia and Achaia, Macedonia in the north, and Achaia to the south. But where did he go next? He went to Athens, the most famous city in all of Greece, and he ministered there. And then when he left there, where did he go? He went to Corinth, another large city in the the Greek peninsula, one of the most influential of all the cities. So there was obviously a strategy that Paul was following, even though he doesn't spell it out, we can see it as we notice where he does go and where he doesn't go. And we're trying to learn some lessons from that, and we'll continue that on this Monday, February 19. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for the financial assistance that keeps us teaching God's Word on the station. Well, it's clear that Paul 
strategized his gospel ministry by picking locations that would multiply his labors. If he was successful by the power of the Holy Spirit in seeing people saved and a church started in a large metropolitan area, then that church could be a witness to hundreds, yes, thousands of people who passed through their city during the course of a year, traveling to other places with their newfound Christian faith and very likely, in some cases, would evangelize others and churches would be planted in other places. That church could reach out from their metropolitan center to surrounding towns and rural areas and evangelize them. In this way, from a logical standpoint, it was most likely that the gospel would spread over the entire Roman Empire. Whereas if Paul had spent the same amount of time, the same amount of effort in small towns and villages and rural areas, though they are important, though they need the gospel too, though God no doubt has lost sheep in all of these places, Paul could have invested a lifetime in places like that and not seen the gospel spread throughout the whole Roman Empire. So he had a strategy. Now, what do we learn from that? What do we... What do we apply from this particular insight into Paul's ministry. And as I've been pointing out, strategizing for the sake of the gospel is not necessarily wrong, but it's not always right either. It all depends. Depends upon what? Well, it depends on what we are doing by way of strategy. Paul's strategy was perfectly righteous and honorable. His strategy focused upon where to labor, not on how to make the gospel more popular, how to make it more attractive, how to make it more effective. That's the kind of strategy that we often see in our day. And many times people will go to statements by the Apostle Paul to justify strategies which clearly are not completely in line with the Word of God. Well, Paul said he was all things to all men, and so forth. But what did he mean by that? Study that in its context and find out exactly what he meant. Don't take a, a statement out of its context and apply it in any way that you would like to apply it. To give you an example, to, to move from gospel strategies to another statement that is often taken out of context, how about that statement by Paul in Philippians chapter 4, where he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that has been used, as I'm sure you're aware, to assure people that they can do anything that they set their mind to if they're a Christian and committed to the Lord, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I suppose I could say, I can be a concert pianist through Christ that strengthens me. I mean, this is the kind of idea that people apply to that text. But I can assure you folks that God has not given me the ability to become a concert pianist. It doesn't matter how much I desire it. It doesn't matter how hard I work at it. I just don't have that ability. Ah, but you say God can give you the ability. Yeah, but that verse does not guarantee that God will give me the ability just because I would like to do it. Ah, well, it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Yes, it does. Now, put it in its context. What is he talking about? He's talking about being able to endure poverty equally with with surplus. I I have learned how to be both abased and to abound, how to be full and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can learn to be content. That's the introductory statement to that context. I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Poverty or wealth matters not. Scarcity or surplus, it matters not. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, how many people have you ever heard taking that particular statement of Paul and applying it to you can be happy, you can be content, you can be effective in poverty because God will give you the strength to do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content with little. I can be content without having much in the way of material or financial financial resources. That's the context. And in the context, that verse takes on a very different meaning than what many people apply to it when they pluck it out of its context. Somewhere I've got a little bumper sticker that I've never put on my bumper, but I've still got it. I think I've fixed it to a bulletin board that says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Now, take that back to what we're talking about here. It's the same idea. Well, Paul used a strategy for his mission work, so it's appropriate for us to use the strategy, okay? I So far, I'm tracking with you. I, I would agree that you are... You are correct as far as it goes, but now tell me what your strategy is. Well, our strategy is that we are going to eliminate everything that is negative from our preaching, our teaching. People don't like negativity. People don't like to hear about sin. People don't like to hear about suffering. People don't like to hear about sacrifice. So we're going to take all of those things out and just emphasize the positive elements And that's our strategy because that's what works. (laughs) That's a good strategy because you can catch more fish that way. Nope, that's not a good strategy because you have changed the message. There are certainly positive elements to the gospel. Praise God. That's why it's called good news. There are also some very serious, what we might call negative aspects of the gospel, and the, the, a proper understanding of the gospel has to begin with the bad news of man's sinfulness, of man's condemnation, of God's holy wrath and determined justice upon all who have sinned. And that must be understood. People must come under a conviction of sin before they will understand their need of Christ and the good news of the gospel, that now that they have wrestled with this fact that I am a sinner before a holy God and there's nothing I can do about it, not a thing that I can do about it, now let me tell you what God has done about it. And here comes the good news. But you see, when you leave out the negative elements, because that makes people nervous, that makes people uncomfortable, people don't want to come and hear about that, well, you've just robbed 
the gospel of its effective power because you've taken half of the message away. You have edited the message. That is not an appropriate gospel strategy. That is a travesty. That is being a false teacher. That is being untrue to God. That is being an unprofitable servant, an unfaithful servant. That is not an appropriate strategy, you see. So Paul's strategy was where to labor, not how to present the gospel. He didn't change his gospel no matter where he went. didn't matter if he was preaching to Jews or Gentiles, to rich or poor, to free men or slaves. It made no difference. He didn't change his gospel in any way. The message was the same. His strategy was not to make the message more palatable, more popular, more attractive by doctoring it just a little bit, because we understand modern people. I mean, Paul's message was okay for his day, but we live in a different era, a different age. People won't listen to that today. Well, folks, unless the Holy Spirit causes people to listen to it, to want to hear it, to open their ears to it because God's working in their heart. Changing the message isn't going to going to make make your your results more effective. It may make your ministry more successful in the eyes of the world, but when you stand before the Lord with very little to show for your labors, and when you stand before the Lord and find out that the majority of your Supposed converts and followers actually are going to spend eternity in the lake of fire because they experienced no true conversion. They never came under Holy Spirit conviction. They never became repentant because of their sins. They just gravitated to a feel-good message. That's not an appropriate strategy. You understand what I'm saying? I hope you do. We'll take it up again tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.